Well, good afternoon and welcome to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, coming to you from Coming Home Network International over EWTN Radio. It's a great pleasure to be with you today. This weekly program, we take a moment to open the, the Word of God and we, uh, we desire to hear from Him. And uh, we want to make sure that we are truly hearing Him and not ourselves. So that's mm-hmm. why we make sure that we interpret the Scripture through the teacher He gave us, and that's the church. And uh, a big part of this program is, in essence, allowing... It often happens that when I, when I invite a guest to join me here on Deep in Scripture, that that guest has already appeared on the Journey Home program on Monday nights or the repeated episodes of the Journey Home on EWTN television. But now it's a chance for that guest to talk a little bit more from the scriptural standpoint of how Scripture helped them come to a deeper walk with Jesus Christ and his church. And often that comes in the form of verses they never saw, either Scripture that, where'd that come from, or I didn't understand it that way before. And now it means a whole lot more to me now that I see it through the eyes of the church. And I think that's a bit of what we're going to experience today. I have the great pleasure of having with us today Skylar Testa. And he joined us on the journey home Monday night. Skylar was born and raised in Columbus, Ohio. And he's an actor currently living in Los Angeles. His experience includes appearances on TV shows like Party of Five, Walker, Texas Ranger, CSI Miami, and Bones. He came home to the church in May 2010 formerly a non-denominational Christian. But even that, I want to say that, that the, the using the word non-denomination, I want to make sure that you, you hear in that someone who was deeply committed to Jesus Christ and to the uh, inspiration of Scripture. It's a very important part of his life. It's just that a, another part of his personality was not committing himself to any one particular of the many thousands of denominations as he was seeking to follow Christ faithfully in his life. Skyler will next be working behind the scenes on a new movie. He might be able to tell us the name of it here, though it's a lot of it's kept under wraps. Filming late this summer with an award-winning production company. So when, when Skyler joins me after the break, we'll talk a little bit about, about that uh, new production he's working on. Skyler's given us a long list of scriptures that, uh, if we have time, we'll get to as many as many of them as we can. But the first, I'll read and then he'll join us after the break, is 2 Maccabees chapter 6, 12 through 17. And, and like a few of you listening, you may wonder, what, well, where's that come from in my Bible? Well, this is one of the Deuterocanonical books that wasn't in my Protestant Bible either when I was a pastor. But I, I too agree with uh, Schuyler that uh, this is an important part of this wonderful historic book uh, from the Old Testament. Let me read, beginning with verse 12. Now I urge those who read this book not to be depressed by such calamities, but to recognize that these punishments were designed not to destroy, but to discipline our people. In fact, not to let the impious alone for long, but to punish them immediately is a sign of great kindness. For in the case of the other nations, the Lord waits patiently to punish them until they have reached the full measure of their sins. But he does not deal in this way with us, in order that he may not take vengeance on us afterward when our sins have reached their height. Therefore, he never withdraws his mercy from us. Though he disciplines us with calamities, he does not forsake his own people. Let what we have said serve as a reminder. We must go on briefly with the story. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, and you're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. EWTN.com is online with program information, the latest news, Pope Benedict XVI, plus tools for living the faith like prayers, Catholic Q&A, and other resources. Log on today to EWTN.com. If you enjoy the Journey Home television program on EWTN, you'll want to purchase a copy of Marcus Grodi's book, Journey's Home. Journey's Home contains the conversion stories of men and women who, as a result of their surrender to Jesus Christ, 
heard a call to follow him more completely in the Catholic Church. Many of them were Protestant pastors or missionaries. Others were laymen who, though working in secular jobs, took their calling to serve Christ in the world very seriously. To order your copy of Marcus Grudite's book, Journeys Home, simply visit our website at www.chresources.com or call us toll-free at 1-800-664-5110. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi. I'm joined today by Skylar Testa. Hello, Skylar. It's great to have you in the studio. Great to be. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm looking at you on this side of a TV screen, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty neat. I'll be looking for you. Um, uh, boy, there's so much I'd love to talk about, just your work in television and, and movies and, and such, that whole world, which to most of us, all we see is just the veneer of it mm. right we don't really see what goes on behind we don't want you to see what goes yeah. on behind. <laughs> but you know living your faith in the midst of that i'm sure that's something the audience would love to know more about it and just for you those of you listening he did talk a bit about that on the on the journey home program monday night but time flies yes it so. does but what we'd like to do here is um, scripture had a big part in your huge journey so begin if you would by taking a step back about what place scripture played in your spiritual walk before you ever considered being a Catholic. Sure. Uh, well, I'd always grown up knowing that the Bible is the Word of God. Didn't know where it came from, but I was okay with that. You know, <laughs> it uh, it had obvious truths. It was the foundation of, of all literature I ever read in school. Um, and and it, it changed my life just reading it, you know, and reading inspired word as a as a Christian, not a Catholic Christian, but as a Christian at the time, uh, you know, yes, my mom, I used to fall asleep with my butt up in the air and my face in the book, you know, <laughs> at, at uh, uh, I'd go to bed at night like that, um, just because I figured even even one word in the Word of God is going to do something for you and bring you closer to Him. Um, so that, that was never... It was never something I, I questioned just because I saw the benefits. There's no reason to question it. When you were drawn into uh, work in... Uh, as a young man, you were, you were in the acting, and then ended up going out to LA. Did did you find contradictions between trying to live out what you found in Scripture and the life you're being introduced into, you? or was there a, a merciful grace that God had given you to try and live that out in the context of that environment? I would say merciful grace. Uh, there there are plenty of opportunities I had to accept roles or to audition for roles in which either the language I thought quite a bit profane especially for my age at the time and yeah. uh or the material and the things they ask you to do because la is always about pushing the envelope i was wondering if there's a constant effort to push the envelope that's what we presume yes there is okay. yes there is i mean you know we will never run out of we will always great story story is everything mm -hmm. you know I, you can make a, a lot of fuss over something that doesn't have a great story and still get by but usually it's a lot of shock humor and, and whatnot but story is everything. Now, I experienced in my own life that some of the best and greatest story is in the book. Oh, sure. And the good book. And and uh, and I I take it I take it for what it is. I, you know, I, I'm not a Bible for literature guy. I'm a Bible for the Word of God guy. <laughs> and uh, um, you know, sure there were there were conflicts. I'm not even sure if I'm answering the question, but uh, there were conflicts of interest. But by the grace of God, I was able to receive roles. It was almost like I always got the roles that weren't so conflicting. You know? Well, that's the hand of God then in our, in our lives. Doors open for us. Um, sometimes, you know, I think about another, the lives of a doctor or a nurse or a teacher. Uh, often you are put in positions where you have to make a choice. Sometimes they can be the end of a career mm -hmm. if you have to make that choice. I do believe sometimes God uh, protects us in the path of that until, by grace, we're mature enough to handle those decisions. Yes, Yes. Uh, we, so we should never get so cocky that we just think, hey, I'm beyond temptation or I'm beyond because that's the world we live in. And yes. it's a spiritual battle. But it also, you mentioned Monday night on Journey Home that um, it was, in a way, through a Bible study mm -hmm. that started to open your heart to the church. Yes, that's exactly right. I, I have a dear friend um, named Leo Severino, and I met him in a Bible study 
and um, we became fast friends. Uh, and his his approach to the scriptures, I, I mean, I've been around, you know, I've heard a lot of different things. I've seen a lot of different things. And, and I, I just mean church yeah. and scripture and, and sure the world. But, but I mean, I've, 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 I'm aware of the different interpretations. Very, very few things that people present me, very few questions I haven't heard before. And not because I'm an apologist. I'm not. I'm not an overnight apologist. I'm not an apologist. I'm just a guy that has a Bible, who loves God, always has, and by the grace of God became Catholic. When you explained Monday night that during your non-denominational long period, you Mm -hmm. experience a lot of traditions, even Jehovah's Witness for a while and a Pentecostal for a while, Presbyterian Methodist, a little bit of all that, especially during your college years. So you've seen good, faithful men and women who love Jesus, yes. love Scripture, Absolutely. But, have, but have different interpretations of things. That's, exa- that's exactly right. And I wasn't I wasn't joining them. I was joining them for a time, visiting them, always visiting them, never, never looking <laughs> to join. They love Jesus. I love Jesus. Great. As a matter of fact, that's a point that I see. If we go back 30 years, I think that you might not have Baptists talking to Methodists so much. But not as freely. Yeah, not as freely. Thank you. It, we're in the 21st century, and there's a bunch of kids out here like me who, I have no beef with you. I have no beef with him. I have no beef with her. And, you know, I love Jesus. You love Jesus? Cool. And I bet you don't even know the differences between our faiths because you love Jesus. There's a lot of ecum... I can't say the word. Ecumenical, ecumenic... Yeah, ecumenical. Right. I don't know what it going on. Yeah, and there's a plus and a minus to that. The, the plus is, of course, that we can have great dialogue with those who also love our Lord Jesus. The shortcoming is this idea that you can have just Jesus without his church. Mm-hmm. You know, in other words, the church is not important. Sacraments are not important. Uh, doctrine is not important. Uh, that's running rampant in our world. Yes. And part of it is because there's been this ecumenical emphasis on our Lord Jesus. We may not even agree who Jesus is. There's truth to that, yeah. There's but truth to that. people have at least, at least whatever understanding of Jesus they have, it might bring them together. Our goal in this program, as well as I know in your own journey, is, wait, there's a whole fullness here that yes. Christ gave us in his church if we truly want to know our Lord. Now, some of the scriptures you've chosen here, these are ones that are fairly new to you? Yes, yes, they are. Uh, this first one, I, as a matter of fact, I just recently read this, and it, it jumped out at me. You know, you want to talk about verses I never saw before? There's a whole six books of them that, uh, that aren't in, weren't in my Protestant Bible, right. but but are certainly in my Catholic Bible, and for good reason, and I, I challenge anyone to go find out why. Um, but uh, this one comes from Second Maccabees. Uh, the Maccabees, I don't know a lot about them. I just know that they were some pretty hardcore Jewish dudes. Yeah. Um, they were they were uh, warriors, uh, men that didn't want to be warriors, but were called to, to be warriors uh, for their, their tradition and their faith and their race, if you will, um, because of the persecution that came upon their people. And... Um, my understanding is that the book of Second Maccabees does take some liberty with liberty with uh, hyperbole every now and then. Sure. Um, but at the same time, it's fascinating. And this is sort of in the beginning of, of this book. It's saying, um, look, what you're about to re- read does not make us sound... This isn't much to talk about. <laughs> this is like talking about Auschwitz. And this is like yeah. talking about killing people. And there's a lot of war in this book. But it's important that you know ahead of time that in reading this, God loves us. God loves all of his creation. And it is, it, when you see that we're persecuted, it's not necessarily because he is, it's not because he's abandoned us. It's because he loves us. And, and you'll notice that, you know, everyone knows that jo- the Jews are God's chosen people. And sure, we, that comes into a new light with the, with the New Testament. Um, but all the same, no one would deny that. Well, here, it, it's so interesting. Here, this is the Old Testament. And you have, you have them recognizing, you have the author recognizing that, look, God deals with us differently than other nations, but at the same time, he loves all of them. It, I mean, it, he's saying, or at least what I get out of it, again, I'm not an apologist, is along the lines of, you know, look, know that God treats us differently than everyone else. He will correct us as soon as we start to, to go off, off the path. He will correct us, and this is because he's kind not because he hates us, not because he's angry, so to speak, but because he's trying to protect us like a good father who's telling his kids, don't touch that fire. Don't touch that fire. It's, 
I'm doing this. I have your best interest in mind. He cares more about our souls than he does our feelings. And then uh, it compares it to th- those who are not Jewish, uh, the nations that are not Jewish. Uh, it says, where is it in here? Um, uh, Thus, in dealing with other nations, the Lord patiently waits until they reach their full measure. Pardon me. Thus, in dealing with other nations, the Lord patiently waits until they reach their full measure of sin before he punishes them. And, and then it makes reference to this goes on because he doesn't want us to become his enemy. Because I guess what hit me about this was not just the difference between Jew and Gentile at this particular time in history, but also uh, the fact that God's just and, and you, you can become his enemy. Yeah, the that statement that Jesus makes to him who's given much, much is required. Amen. And the Jewish people were a part of the covenant. Mm-hmm. They had received the law. I'm they a had, huge fan of covenant. They, oh. had, they had received instructions. They, they understood their Lord, their creator, their father in a way different than the surrounding cultures. It doesn't mean God only loved them, right? but yet God was expecting more yes of them higher standard because they they had that and using them as an example for the gentiles of what they were to be if the neighbors knew that the jews claimed this intimate relationship with god and yet they lived their life like they didn't have it then they were a worse model hmm. for their neighbors yes. than if they didn't have the covenant well said. and so god expected even more of them and so we see that in all these these things, but that's also, in a way, the foundation. I would uh, why our our evangelization reaches out to people who've never heard, because we still believe that God created them in His image and put within their hearts a desire for God. Mm. So when we reach out to a, if a, someone who's a totally pagan person and has never heard the name Jesus. Yet, we believe that in their heart, God has touched them. Yes. We're touching. So the people surrounding, it wasn't that they were ignorant of what is sin. In their heart, they had a conscience. Yes, a conscience and an example, yes. So God's dealing with them. But sadly, it seems to me in the Old Testament, far too often, God's chosen people did not reach out very well to those around them. The way he was calling them to, so they, you know, they, they reaped the just reward for that. As you said, he's merciful; he never withdraws his mercy from us. He says, but we can pull away from him. Yes, yes, well said. Um, so he never forsakes his people, and let what we have said serve as a reminder. So you know, of course, they were ex- during the Maccabean time were experiencing. The, the difficult period because of the results of what their forefathers had done because of the exile and all of that. I, I Did you, when you first read Maccabees, um, Schuyler was, uh, I guess, is that the first time you ever, it's kind of exciting when you're reading a book in the Bible that you never read before. Oh, yeah. When you had been much more comfortable with all the other books. Gold warriors, <laughs> gold warriors of God wreaking judgment on people that are trying to destroy the temple and whatnot. Uh, fascinating stuff. That's all new. From this passage for you and your walk with Christ, what do you take from this passage for you? That God knows what he's doing. I mean, there's a, man, there was a passage recently Last night, someone showed me something that I won't go into because I haven't investigated it well enough. <laughs> but the idea that God being outside of time, the idea that uh, when people say, you know, you can still pray for people um, that, that either that you think are hopeless cases or that maybe have come and gone in this life already, you can still pray for them. I'm not guaranteeing you anything, but you can still pray for them because God is God. Hmm. Uh, here's a, a really good understanding from somebody in a time period where I wouldn't have expected them to have this kind of revelation about how God operates. And, you know, I see it, the older I get, and I'm not that old, but the older I get, the more I see that God will speak your language to you if it takes a lifetime. If, if, uh, if you're a hard-hearted person, he will soften you. If you're a 
a naive person, he will make you wise. And he will speak your language because he's faithful and he's just and he loves you because he wants you to be with him and he wants you to get him. So I don't care if you've believed nothing for 50 years. 51 could be a real rude awakening. He's in control. He knows never what he's give, doing. Never give up on anyone. I, never. Um, in that, the message of 12, verse 12, you know, that to uh, not be depressed by calamities, mm-hmm. but to recognize that these punishments were designed not to destroy, but to discipline our people. Sure. So, Being I mean, joyful in your suffering. There's an sure. attitude of our life to, uh, we can spend our time, why me, Lord? Why me, Lord? Yes. Uh, or where are you, Lord? As opposed to recognizing he's very close. He's very right close. here in the midst of this. He may not know exactly what his intent is, but we do know, as it says, that he never withdraws his mercy from us. Yes. That's the truth. And, and I, I believe Job probably came after this, and and maybe this is something he thought on. And that's that's right. Um, let's see. Let's try the next passage you have here, which is about Melchizedek, Genesis fourteen eighteen. Yes, um, and this is a, a really big deal as a, as a Roman Catholic. This is a, an eye-opening passage. Uh, it's also a passage full of mystery. And, yes. <laughs> um, but as a, you know, as a, as a Protestant, I, I read the Bible, and I read it well and good, so I thought. And uh, then I was in a Bible study, and a friend of mine said, so what do you think of the, uh, the Melchizedek? I said, I think it's hard to spell. And he said, he goes, no, 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 in the Bible. And I go, in the Bible what? In the Bible where? And he showed me. And it only really shows up two places in the Bible, I believe. But uh, there's this this really important um, uh, pinnacle, paramount uh, idea of uh, of this this king priest named Melchizedek. And uh, it says that, well, did you want to read the passage? Go ahead. Go okay. ahead. Uh, this is... Uh, Genesis fourteen eighteen, It says, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Interesting. Well, this is Old Testament. Interesting. <laughs> and uh, being a priest of God Most High, he blessed Abram with these words. Blessed be Abram by God Most High, the creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who delivered your foes into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Well, this is where we get tithing from. Mm-hmm. This is also the beginnings of skeletal beginnings, seed, seedling beginnings of the right. mass. Mm-hmm. And this Melchizedekian character, uh, if I can say that, uh, he is a king. He's a king. He's someone that Abraham holds in high esteem, very, very high esteem. And he's also a priest, a king in a kingdom of priests. He's a priestly king. This is, this is very much a foreshadowing of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people speculate who Melchizedek is, uh, some say he is Shem, uh, 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 Noah's son, the good son, from which we can possibly devi- uh, derive the term Semite, Shemite, Semite. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, this is establishing, and, and again, I'm not an apologist, this is establishing that we are all to be uh, priests in a priestly kingdom, and that there is, that it, we are to have a high priest. And that is Christ for us. Um, but this is a standard by which we are called. Uh, I'm sure you have more to say on this because, again, this was all very new to me when I first when I first read it. Well, the other thing that, that is key to this is that Melchizedek is outside of the normal yes. norm of, of the Aaronic priesthood or the Levites priesthood. Here is this, this king and priest of God the Most High. And the mystery is we don't know where we can, you know, hypothesize that maybe it was yeah. Shem, but we, we don't know where he came from, yeah. comes from. And so, in essence, the, here's the mystery of receiving from God his priesthood. And, and wasn't Christ supposed to be, that yeah. the Messiah was supposed to be a, a, in, the, in the priesthood of Melchizedek? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, we see that in the book of Hebrews, particularly. Uh, and uh, in that, we see the model both for Christ as well as our own. So let's take a break now. We'll come back and look at some of these passages. You're hearing uh, uh, Skylar Testa and myself on Deep in Scripture, and you're hearing us over EWTN, your global Catholic radio network.
Get an insider's look at the latest information from EWTN. Sign up for WINGS, EWTN's weekly email newsletter. Get the latest information about live events, special features, and guests. Connect with EWTN on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Just go to EWTN.com and click on the WINGS link to sign up. Don't miss a minute of all that's happening at EWTN. Get your WINGS today. Hi, this is Jerry Usher reminding you to listen to Vocation Boom Radio Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern exclusively on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Each week I bring you dynamic interviews with bishops, priests, vocation directors, even seminarians and those who support them, all in an effort to assist the Holy Spirit in what is truly a vocation boom around the world. That's Vocation Boom Radio Saturdays at 5 p.m. Eastern only on EWTN Radio. CH Resources is excited to offer you Marcus Grodi's latest book, Thoughts for the Journey Home. If you're not Catholic, but are looking seriously at the Catholic Church, or if you've recently entered the Church, this book will provide you with wisdom and encouragement for the journey. And if you're a lifelong Catholic, it makes a great gift for family and friends you're hoping will come home. To order a copy, visit our website at chnetwork.org or call us at 1-800-664-5110. Don't forget to watch the Journey Home program with Marcus Grodi on EWTN. Each week, Marcus meets new guests who have journeyed to the Catholic faith from many backgrounds. Be challenged and encouraged as they witness to how their love for the truth of Jesus Christ has brought them into full communion with the Catholic Church. That's the Journey Home program on EWTN, live on Monday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. Uh, this is your host, Marcus Grodi, joined today by Skylar Testa. You mentioned during the break, uh, Skylar, that just a reminder that you're not a theologian scholar. That's all right. That's not the point here. I, I think what's what's important is is how the Lord has used Scripture to awaken you to a deeper walk with Christ and His church. You know, it's something that's always amazed me about Scripture. And, and I've probably read a little bit of Scripture every day of my life since my adult conversion when I was 21 years old. And uh, that doesn't make me a scholar. That means it's just that God has put in my heart a love for his word. Mm. And I, I sense that in you, and that's really what you're sharing today. Thank Some you. of these scriptures that that you really didn't see before. No, no. Uh, a different spin. Uh, and the, the passage you'd like us to go to next is uh, Exodus chapter 4. Yeah, here's a here's a real eye opener for me. I never saw this ever. <laughs> this is uh, in fact you have your title here on your printout. Why is God killing Moses? Yes. Well, well, let me read this and then you go ahead and okay. and explain why this was really an eye opener for you. Uh, Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, "Let me go back, I pray, to my kinsmen in Egypt, and see whether they are still alive." And Jethro said to Moses, "Go in peace." And the Lord said to Moses in Midian, "Go back to Egypt." For all the men who were seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on an ass and went back to the land of Egypt. In his hand, Moses took the rod of God. And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles which I have put in your power. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. And you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn. And I say to you, Let my people go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay your firstborn son. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Here's, that's a clincher right there. Then Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. Then it was that she said, You are a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. Then verse 31, the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped. Yes, I don't ever remember reading in my Bible, and it was always there, that here you have God who has just selected Moses in the burning bush, and he has told him, this is how it's going to go down. You're my guy, and I want you to go to Pharaoh, and I want you to do this, 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 and this. Ask him for this, he's going to say this. When he says this, you ask him for this. When this happens, do this, this, and this. <laughs> and here are the miracles that you can perform by the grace of me. And then, like, the next day, Moses falls asleep, and God tries to kill him. 
That makes no sense to me at all. I don't ever remember reading that. And a dear friend of mine recently brought this up in Bible study, and I was like, I don't ever remember that. I even said to my mom, who's read the Bible many more times than I, she's like, where, I don't even know what you're talking about. And we went here, and it's, it's in everyone's Bible. And I was like, well, all right, what's the deal, God? You know, so when are you, what's, you know, when are you gonna say to me, hey, Skylar, why don't you go do this, this, and this, and then you're gonna try and kill me, and that's just ridiculous. And, and then we examined it, and we learned that, okay, so God chose Moses, but God does not contradict himself. And God had set before the Israelites, before his people, pardon me, he had set before his people right. um, certain, within their covenant, the covenant that he had with them, certain restrictions on what they could and could not do. One of the things was the Abrahamic covenant. You know, circumcision was a big the deal. The sign of the covenant. The sign of the covenant. You know, every time you go to the bathroom, you're going to remember, you know, <laughs> I mean, quite frankly. But but uh, it's a sign of the covenant. And here Moses is, even, and he's in a land that he's not really supposed to be hanging out with, with a man's daughter who he's married. This man being a priest, a Midianite priest, uh, and Midianites were not, were not God's people, so to speak, and they're doing their own thing, maybe even some idol worship, who knows, who knows, I'm not a scholar. <laughs> um, but he had both showed a child or children, a child here that was uncircumcised, that's a no-no, and he had a wife that was not Jewish. So what's the penalty gonna be? Death? This is the this is the one that God chose. Which just shows the significance of listening to our Lord and and following his word. Yeah, well this is something that I find I mean I'm now a Roman Catholic and this is something that's that's very particular because when I when I was a Protestant, when I was a non-denominational uh, Christian who had a relationship with Christ who was who was is saved whatever whatever you have um uh I was doing fine. I didn't go to Catholicism because of a traumatic experience or a, a, a dark night of the soul or, or whatnot. I was thriving in my spiritual life. But because I've always wanted to be closer to God and because He desires to be close to His children, the closer I got to Him, the more I learned. And the more I learned, the more I was responsible for joining Catholicism the more he was asking me to. And for six years I fought it. But here's an, an example of why it's so important. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Y yes, we have Christ, and yes, we have a greater access to him, and access to him in a way that we never had before. However, he's still God. He's still the God that, that, that lays John out prostrate in Revelation. He's, he's the God of all. And here, he chose Moses. Let's, you know, dare I make the comparison? Here I am, like Moses. I, I'm someone that God interacts with, not not like Moses, but, you know, in, in, his, in our own way. And he's chosen Moses in the midst of his uh, well, lack of full faithfulness. He chose him. But, but at the same time, even though he chose him, he held him accountable for the things that he wasn't doing. It's James talks about faith without works is dead. Amen. Faith, Moses believed in God. Yes. But faith involves obedience. Yes. And the danger that I found when I was a Protestant Presbyterian pastor, how easy it was for us on our own interpretation to decide which of the scriptural passages to listen to and which ones to ignore. It's a big deal, yeah. And that's why, in fact, you have thousands of different Protestant groups who take this passage or ignore the other passage, or you have the seven-day Adventists that said, you know, it should only be on Saturday, or you have different groups. Right. You know, the, the Salvation Army don't believe in baptism at all. Other groups, it means something. Others, it means nothing. Some you do it as an adult, some as a child. Some you can have marriage without divorce. Some you can have divorce as often as you want it. Each group sets itself up as the interpreter and in this case... And you'll find support for most of them. You can find not, a verse. Nobody's an idiot. Yeah, you, you can find a verse to back you up. But here's an example of Moses uh, had not fallen through, followed through with what God had told him to do. In the and covenant. God, and God is saying, you aren't the private interpreter yes. of what's true. Yes. And so we see the model of that. And, and but, his wife realizes it right away. <laughs> I mean, she, she, she picks up on it by the grace of God. She picks up on it and she grabs a flint, hello, and circumcises their child and touches the, uh, the, 
the the skin to his body and it spares his life spares Moses's life and you know how do we apply that today well I'm going to draw our attention to another passage that you had chosen us to look at yes please and uh, and that's the Acts 15 passage why don't we go there yes because I, I think this has a direct connect to this very Old Testament passage and you had chosen for us to look at this you had you want us to look at this in relationship to the Matthew 16 passage, of course, where Jesus looks at Simon and says, You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the powers of death shall not prevail against it. But, but later in Acts 15, let me read verses 6 through 12. Now, just for those of you listening, this is the first council of the church. And what happened is there were some, some Jewish believers that were not happy with the audacity of letting Gentiles become a part of the church without being circumcised. That's right. I mean, we got Moses in the Old yeah. Testament about ready to get killed because he didn't That's circumcise exactly his child. Right. So now we have some folk in the Christian era saying, wait a second, what are you doing? And so we, the gathering of apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter rose and said to them, brethren, you know that in the early days God made choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God who knows the heart bore witness to them, giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, but cleansed their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why do you make trial of God by putting a yoke upon the neck of the disciples which neither our fathers nor we have been able to hear? But we believe that we shall be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, just as they will. And all the assembly kept silence, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. Yes. Now, here's a situation where, as you said, this is personal. This is a, this is a topic that dates back hundreds of years maybe thousands i don't know hundreds of years and 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 as you said this is something god held moses accountable to now we got this new guy this jesus guy and 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 he says he's god and all of this stuff and he says both jew and gentile uh you can cast this mountain into the sea you could possibly interpret that as the great mystery of god that how will god graft if you will if you will the gentiles into the jewish relationship that god has how will this happen and everyone's saying it's got to be through circumcision. If they want to be Christians, they've got to be circumcised as well. If I were holding that to that position as as a faithful, f- complete Jew, Christian, new Christian in that council, I would have every right to hold to that position. Every single right. And especially some fisherman, maybe rab- rabbinical dropout, you know, Peter, <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not going to listen to it. As a matter of fact, the comment on my human tongue would be who are you? Aren't you that guy that denied this guy? Are, who are you? How dare you say this? You're the guy that denied Christ three times. Not me. You're the guy that denied him three times. Who are you? I write scripts. I know what it's like writing with a friend and getting in over an altercation over a scene. And I'm fighting. We're, we're at each other's necks over a scene because we're passionately speaking about this. This is my father's, what my father gave me, what his father gave him, what God gave him. And yet nobody says the human thing that I just said. They're silent. Why? Because of the authority that Christ bestowed in Peter, though he be a man, and a man who is just a fisherman, so to speak. And they're quiet. They recognize it. They know it. And they don't question it. This is a, is a very important point. And, and as you mentioned, Skylar, this was new to you and new oh, to me yeah. too. When I was on my own journey to the Catholic Church, I didn't see the significance of this because when I was a Protestant pastor, I I don't think I I don't think I believed that I had the authority through my private interpretation guided by the Spirit to say whatever I wanted or however I thought scripture meant to me but 
Yet, when I got up in a pulpit on Sunday and preached what I believe the Scripture said, I wasn't checking it against 2,000 years of Of, church teaching. And tradition. Sacred tradition. Yes. I believe that God was guiding me, and it took me a long time to recognize how different one pulpit can be from the next pulpit, from the next pulpit, from the next pulpit. And you're exactly right. Some during that period could have stood up, and they were doing it. The Judaizers, that's why they were, mm-hmm. they were complaining about this. But they were confronted with the authority. It wasn't just the elders. It wasn't just the apostles. Mm. It was Peter. Mm. And I remember when I first saw that, I, it made me pause. It has, you have to. It made me pause. That's why today, we're going to take a break here in another second. Uh, that's why today when I hear even Catholics that are critical that uh, Vatican II changed teachings that we've had all of our lives, or even Vatican I changed things. In the end, no, the church didn't change anything of faith and morals. Right. But there are some things that the church has the authority, guided by the Spirit, to change, to develop. Even if for a season. And we trust the church. And the danger is if we set ourselves up above the church, we're like the Judaizers of the first century that wasn't going to listen to Peter. Yes. You know, really, it's the and, same And thing. with good reason. And so it should cause us all to pause, especially those of us, like I was as a pastor, that put ourselves up in a pulpit every Sunday to a group of people basically say, you trust what I'm teaching you. Yeah. Wait a second. Is yeah. what I'm teaching in line with just my own opinion? And who am I to teach it? Or is it in line with tradition that Christ gave us, guided by his church, guided by the Holy Spirit? Let's take another break. Skyler, we'll come back. Maybe we can get at least one more passage in in the last 10 minutes of the program. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, joined today by Skyler Testa. And you're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. The Coming Home Network International is a non-profit Catholic lay apostolate dedicated to helping Protestant clergy and laity come home to the Catholic Church. It was founded by Marcus Grodi, the host of this program, as well as the Journey Home television program on EWTN. If you are on the journey and interested in learning more about the Coming Home Network International or know someone who's thinking of becoming Catholic, please visit our website, www.chnetwork.org, or contact us at 1-800-664-5110. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. Your host, Marcus Grodi, joined today by Skylar Testa, who... um, before we, I don't want to lose track of this time, but you did mention that there's a, a, a new movie coming out this summer that you're going to start filming and be involved with, right? Yes, we, we begin filming this summer. Uh, it'll probably come out next year or the year after. But uh, from the, the producers and the guys that brought you Bella, the movie Bella, they have a new film um, that they're going to be working on. I'll be working behind the scenes on it, which is really fun for me. Um, uh, at the end of August, they begin, and uh, it's called Little Boy. And I can't talk about it. I can't give you any information. I just, I'm a bit of a tease. Uh, but I'll put it this way. If you like Bella, um, let's just say that if, if what they already have on paper, if it's half as good as that, it's going to be a great movie. Great. All right. Well, we'll keep our eye out for What's the name again? Little Boy. Little Boy. Okay. We'll yep. keep our eyes out. From Metanoia Films. Great. Great, 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 great. Let's, um, with, with the time we have, let's look at this Colossians passage that you mentioned and uh, again, what you're pointing out is as much as you've read Scripture many times by God's grace, and he's used that to strengthen your walk with Christ, that in your journey to the church you encountered some Scriptures that you didn't see before. And this is one of those. Let me read verse 21 through 23, all right? Would that be in the nice context? Chapter 1, verse, is that the one you want? Yeah, yes, please. And just, just well, for verse 6, too. Uh, well, I'll get. I suppose I get to that. But what what version of, the, of scripture are you reading? RSV. Very good. Okay, okay. And uh, I'll start with verse twenty one. And you, who once were estranged 
and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his blood, excuse me, by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him, provided that you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which has been preached to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Hello. <laughs> this is a fun one for for me because I, I never saw this before. Maybe it was the version I was reading. It's it's a, I'm, I'm, it's a bit of a speed bump. It's this isn't an end all be all for me. Um, but uh, here you have a passage that you know one thing that that I had heard preached a lot in different churches, different denominations, was this notion of the ten forty window. If you've heard of it, it's the longitude and latitude lines of a section of Asia, I believe, where it is believed, with good reason, that um, uh, the gospel's never been preached. And, th- you know, that makes a lot of sense to me. And there are a lot of churches that send mission missionaries to that area, a- as they should. God bless them. Right. That's good work. But here's a passage that if you're all alone, not really a member of any particular church, um, and you're reading scripture, that's very confusing. Because depending on the version you read, including the King James, it literally says that the gospel has already been preached to every creature under heaven. Now, uh, the Dewey Rames says it differently, but King James, which is widely respected, um, says it very specifically. And this is one one of the beautiful things about being in the Catholic Church now is I, I trust in authority, not blindly, but but with great deal of faith, which is what Christ asks of all of us, um, uh, and reason, that it has the authority to take that passage because God has created it for purposes such as this, and to, fo- to define it a little bit more for me. Because, you know, you could go to Romans 15.20 and say, well, here Paul, because I mean, this is Paul, I believe, writing Colossians, but you could say in 15.20 of Romans that Paul also says as, elsewhere that there are places where he tried to preach the gospel and couldn't, and that would suggest that maybe he couldn't. Well, maybe someone else did, or maybe divine intervention, maybe the Holy Spirit, who knows? But just the notion that for all my, my brothers and sisters that are planting churches out there, as they should, please continue. God will do what he does with it and with you, and I believe you put it on your heart and everything. I'm with you in prayer and everything. But here's a passage that possibly suggests it's been done. And guess what? We still haven't had the second coming. <laughs> and, of course, that would be the purpose of it all. So now what are you doing? Yeah, the, the, I think the point, that the good point you're making is that what do you do with difficult passages if you believe that sola scriptura gives you the authority of private interpretation to tell your people as a pastor, this is what that passage means. Yeah. What do you say? What do you say? And sometimes uh, you take some passages on our own interpretation. The answer is, I don't know. Yeah. But we trust in the context of sacred tradition that there's an answer to that. In this section, to be honest with you, um, Skyler, the part of it that jumped at me, this was also one of the verses I never saw, but it was the beginning part Uh. from my Calvinist, once saved, always saved perspective that says um, that he is now reconciled in his body, but verse 23, provided that you continue in the faith. Mm. Mm. Well, you're a man of, of language. That's what you're life is True. as an actor the language the meaning of a word the conveyance and how it's said yes the word provided that is not just thrown in there by paul it's recognizing the fact that we must continue yes we if we don't continue it's conditional we won't have the blessings yes we are called to continue provided that stable steadfast not shifting from the hope of the gospel which you heard in other words it didn't just drop in their laps like a book it was proclaimed through the oral tradition Mm. that's how they heard it in the first place which has been preached to every creature under heaven that is it's a wild was paul just uh speaking in hyperbole he he got so excited in, in writing as he was in chains and saying it um or are we how do we understand that and and maybe it's the perspective that I've often taken as we looked at the native people of our own country 
who were here long before the gospel ever came, mm. but did God also speak into their heart the truth that formed their conscience? All I know is that God, <laughs> God is good. He is loving. We are the crown jewels of creation. And if he will not allow for it to be unfair to us, though much of our lives seems that way, go back to Maccabees, it's for a reason, and you'll be very pleased with the result. This isn't a bad movie. This is a perfect one. <laughs> well, if you take all the different points of the scriptures you've chosen, that first one, you know, that um, uh, that even the, the tough times in our life, God is not far from us. He's merciful. He loves us so much that he's trying to shape us into his image. Uh, but that's not necessarily an easy life. We look at Moses' example. There are things we are called to do or not do. Yes, and there are consequences. There are consequences for that. And we recognize in the Acts 15 passage that in the end, it's not up to us to decide what we're going to follow or not. We have been given the beauty of the church, St. Peter, and the magisterium in union with him that help us understand what our faith means in our life. And then in this passage here, we must continue it, but even called to go forth. There are people that haven't, that still need to hear that, that gospel and still needs to get out there, mm. which I believe that's part of what you're called to do as an actor in movies is to proclaim the truth. Well, God willing, I'm, I'm, I'm willing. You know, even when you have a role that isn't uh, a, a model role for us to imitate, yet maybe you help us see the darkness of people's hearts in the midst of that role you've been called to play. Well, we, it, you know, I may have mentioned this before, but but we are all very similar. And uh, you know, I believe Howard Stern, somebody met Howard Stern in person and said, man, you're a really nice guy. Like, I couldn't believe how polite he was. And Howard Stern says, you know, look, when I'm not in the studio, I'm pretending. <laughs> but when I'm in the studio, I'm myself. We're all very similar. <laughs> Well, Skylar, thanks for joining us on the program. I appreciate, uh, I mean, you've, you've been a Catholic only for a couple months, right? And uh, yeah, so welcome uh, home, but you've had a 13. chance to share some of your journey here with us. So thanks a lot. And we ask your God's blessings on your work. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We look forward to seeing your your face in some movies and, and TV shows as well. Your name appearing on this new program, this new movie coming up this summer. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Skylar. And thank you all for joining us. I, I hope Skylar's choice of some passages have pointed out to you some places in Scripture that uh, you read over too quickly, but slow down a bit in your reading of Scripture and listen to our Lord and, uh, and ask Him how the church is calling you to walk in a deeper relationship with Christ and His church. I pray that this program has been encouragement to you. I look forward to being with you again next week. God bless. God bless.